Hey, everybody. Welcome to the weekly show where we take a look back and forward at some of the biggest news affecting the sport that we love. Whether it's a broken home run record, a famous player's birth, or a major franchise trade, we'll have it all covered. I'm Jeff Lambert, and this is This Week in Baseball History. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week in Baseball History. It is me, your host, Jeff Lambert. Uh, first of all, thank you for being a subscriber to the Rounders Weekly Newsletter. It means a lot to me that you're joining me, and that's how you're accessing this show, that you've signed up for that, and that presumably you're keeping up with the weekly main show as well. So I realize that this week, this episode is coming out at the end of the week, and I do want to apologize for that because I try and get these out towards the beginning of the week. That way you can have things to talk about that you learn on this episode for the rest of the week. But unfortunately, things got a little bit away this week, and these are things that I usually don't pre-record too far in advance just because I'm doing them in real time. So uh, I hope you still get value out of this. I hope you still enjoy this episode. There were some really interesting events that happened this week. I can't wait to talk to you about it. So let's get to it. I do love that background music. All right, on June 18th, 1977, Yankees outfielder Reggie Jackson almost punches his coach on live TV. The Red Sox were facing off against the Yankees at Fenway Park, and Boston was up 7-3 in the sixth inning. Reggie Jackson, who was playing right field in the game, made a half-hearted attempt to field a ball that was hit by Jim Rice of the Sox, and that half-hearted attempt turned what should have been a single into a double. So this incident led to a heated confrontation between Jackson and Yankees manager Billy Martin, who was so upset that he replaced Jackson with teammate Paul Blair on the field, which led to a physical altercation, or close to it, I should say. So, bench coach Elston Howard had to separate Martin and Jackson because the argument got so intense. And as Jackson headed towards the visitor's clubhouse, Martin attempted to follow him into the tunnel, but was held back by coaches again. And this whole incident was captured on national television, and it contributed to the Yankees' reputation for out-of-control behavior during this time period, which was dubbed by the media as the Bronx Zoo. Great name. The Yankees went on to lose that game 10-4. On June 19th, 1884, Eddie Chicote, who was the first great knuckleballer, was born. So Edward Victor Chicote, who also earned the nickname Knuckles during his career, was an American right-handed pitcher who played most notably for the Chicago White Sox. So Chicote had a successful career. He had 208 career wins and 149 losses over 14 seasons. However, he is most remembered for his alleged involvement in the Black Sox scandal during the 1919 World Series, which led to his permanent banning from professional baseball. After his career was prematurely ended due to that very bad decision, Chicote returned to his hometown of Michigan, where he worked for the Ford Motor Company until he retired in 1944. He passed away on May 5th, 1969 in Detroit, Michigan. On June 20th, 1973, Bobby Bonds breaks the record for leadoff home runs. Yes, Bobby Bonds, who was an all-star outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, San Francisco Giants, New York Yankees, several different teams, 
and the father of Barry Bonds, made history on this day. In a game against the Cincinnati Reds, he led off with a home run off of pitcher Don Gullett, and that marked his 22nd career leadoff homer that he hit. That's right. Very impressive. This achievement broke the previous record that was set by Lou Brock in the National League for most leadoff long balls. Now, despite this achievement, the Giants ended up losing the game overall to the Reds by a score of 7 to 5. But Barry Bonds during that 19 I'm sorry, Bobby Bonds during that 1973 season, that was one of his best. He hit a career-high 39 home runs and he led the league with 341 total bases and 131 runs scored. He finished third in the National League MVP awards race that year. On June 21st, 1950, Jolton Joe got his 2000s hit. When I say Jolton Joe, I am referring to none other than the great Joe DiMaggio. And during a game against the Indians on this day, he secured his 2000th career hit with a seventh inning single off of pitcher Mariano Piretti. This achievement contributed to the Yankees' 8-2 victory in the game overall. And with that uh, hit, DiMaggio joined the ranks of players like Luke Appling and Wally Moses and became one of the only active players at the time with 2,000 or more hits. And this helped solidify even more DiMaggio's status as one of the greats in baseball history. On June 22, 1932, the National League approved numbers on uniforms. So at a meeting of club presidents, the National League finally approved wearing numbers on jerseys. And the American League had done this back in 1929, almost four years earlier, when the Cleveland Indians featured numbers on the backs of their jerseys. But this innovation was finally adopted by both leagues, and it was introduced. The main purpose of numbers on jerseys was to help scorekeepers, broadcasters, and fans more easily identify players. Remember, there were no names on the backs of jerseys early on. So by the 1937 season, you had every team in the American and National League adopting that practice of displaying numbers, at least on the shoulder of team jerseys. And the Chicago White Sox took it a step further. They were the first team to add names to the back of jerseys. So in addition to the number, to add, actually add the last name of the individual. And they did that in 1960. So the Yankees are the only team left in Major League Baseball that does not feature the name on the back of the jerseys. So there you have it, Yankees keeping with tradition. And it's also worth mentioning, too, that the San Francisco Giants and the Boston Red Sox don't feature names on the backs of the jerseys for home games, but they do put it on their away jersey. But the Yankees do it for both. There's no names on the back of the jersey for home or away. All right, on June 23rd, 1973, Babe Ruth punched an umpire during a game. Yes, you heard that right. In a match between Boston and Washington, Babe Ruth, who was the starting pitcher for Boston, thought that the plate umpire, Brick Owens, wasn't calling strikes correctly. So this situation escalated when, after a fourth called ball was issued to a hitter, Ruth rushed up to the umpire and landed a punch right on Owens's jaw. This obviously led to Ruth's ejection from the game, and teammate Ernie Shore came in to replace him. And Shore did a great job because he retired all the remaining 26 batters he faced and was credited with that shutout and led Boston to a 4-0 victory that day. So everything went well 
except for Babe Ruth not being able to finish. And then, of course, we can't forget Brick Owens' jaw. Poor guy. On June 24th, 1979, Ricky Henderson made his major league debut. That's right. The king of the steel, Ricky Henderson, started his first game for the Oakland Athletics. He hit a single and a double in four at-bats and stole the first base of his big league career right from the, the very first game. Very impressive. Unfortunately, the A's ended up losing that game 5-1. to one. And to finish off this week's most memorable moments, June 25th, 1995, the big cat himself hit three home runs in three straight innings. The big cat, I'm referring to none other than Rockies first baseman Andres Galarraga. He became the fourth player to home run in three consecutive innings in an 11-3 win over the San Diego Padres. Galarraga had seven RBIs in that game, and he hit home runs in the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings and was on deck when the Rockies were retired in the ninth. So who knows? It could have been four. He was on a definite hot streak. So Andreas Galarraga, the big cat, making history that day, June 25th, 1995. Well, folks, that concludes our trip back into the greatest moments that occurred this week in baseball history. And that brings us to the conclusion of this episode. Again, thank you for making this a part of your week. Please be sure to check back next week for more memorable moments from baseball's rich past. See you then.